Are you ready to tell me everything? <laughs> Did he watch your Instagram story? He was the first to watch it, girl. Ghost him. Stop. Block him. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to Tell Me Everything with Land's episode eight. What's going on, y'all? Today, guys, I bring on a woman entrepreneur, this badass boss bitch, Lean. Nizamuddin is the founder of Sound on Streetwear. Her journey started in the corporate work world before leaving her job to practice her passion for sustainable clothing permanently. Her unique business model has generated a lot of buzz in Dubai as she continues to grow her business and passion in life. Please welcome to the show, Lean. What's up? <laughs> I'm actually so excited to do this with you, Lance. Honestly, guys. Lanz is one of my best friends. Oh, girl, I so, love you so much. This isn't a random meetup. Yeah, this isn't like a random, like, uh, I don't know who this hey, girl is. Hey, we met five minutes ago. <laughs> this is the gist of what I do. She reached out through Insta DMs. No, I actually did not DM her, even though I do slide in her DMs. Everyone should. Because she's freaking gorgeous. It has been a long time coming. It has. I wanted to have you on my other podcast, mm -hmm. but it didn't work out. So, you know what? So happy you're better because now we so can just better. sit and share our tea <laughs> yeah share the tea share baby the tea. share the tea okay girls so let's just start with telling everyone a little bit about your background and how you moved ended up moving back to the uae because you grew up in abu dhabi yep and your background and you're syrian yes. shout okay. out okay so yeah i'm syrian uh, i was born and raised in abu dhabi and when i was 15 16 so end of sophomore year mm -hmm. i moved to toronto and to six oh the six okay <laughs> <laughs> Drake, I hope you don't listen to this. <laughs> Six-o. Like 6 -o. Uh, So yeah, I moved to Toronto. I finished high school and university in Canada. And I was there for like a year after uni, just like trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Okay. And if I wanted to stay in Canada, if I wanted to come back to the UAE. I mean, it's really, really far, right? It's a 13-hour flight and an eight-hour time difference, sometimes nine because yeah. of daylight savings. So, yeah, you start to really disconnect from this part of the world when totally. you're all the way over there. And so I just kind of had to sit and reevaluate and be like, what do I want to do? I wanted to be in fashion. I knew I wanted to do that. And I felt like the competition in Toronto is just like really, really heavy. Yeah. Honestly, like you're competing with some really big brands. Totally, you are. Really, really huge I don't want to say the word influencer because yeah. like here the term influencer is defined a bit more differently because every yeah. girl and their mother is an influencer. But in it's a loose term here in Canada, yeah. you're really competing with some influential names. You yeah, know? Like absolutely. Drake has OVO clothing. Yeah. I don't know. There's so many people that like uh, the creative director of EXO. So the weekend's head of uh, creative um, Lamar you know, also has his hands in helping out a few like young entrepreneurs in the fashion industry. So like having a huge name like that backing you, you know, really opens up a lot of doors. So if you're just a young girl that's trying to start up in the fashion industry, you're competing with some really, really influential people. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, let me just give it a shot back in the UAE. 
um abu dhabi was never an option for me I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you're like i'm not going back there girl to be honest i go to abu dhabi i'm no, like no i can't this isn't my place listen i love it it's beautiful it is, but it's not it's, hustle bustle it's not and hustle, i need hustle bustle, bustle Look, in my i'm life. such a hustle we're high girl. energy girls i'm such a new york type Absolutely. of girl i remember the first time i went to new york i was with my parents and my parents were mortified they're like what is this such shit? They're such Abu Dhabi people. They yeah. love the chill and tranquility and the family aspect of everything. And I was just so city girl because I was so used to Toronto yeah. that I loved New York and they were mortified. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm sure. So, yeah, I knew that if I was really going to do something like big and unique and, you know, put myself in a situation where there were more opportunities in the MENA region, it yeah. would have to be Dubai. It's not just in the UAE, you know, Dubai is a hub for all of the MENA region and especially with fashion, with media. So yeah, it needed to be in Dubai. And so I just started applying for like a bunch of different bullshit jobs that yeah. I could find in the industry. I actually started Because off, but you knew you wanted to get your foot into the fashion industry. Yes. So you were like, I don't give a shit where, get me into retail. I needed to get into the fashion industry and I had absolutely no work experience in the region. Do you have any connections? No, like back end? Not like at all because my mother is a stay-at-home mom no shame in that but <laughs> no that's, shame my that's just too. what she does <laughs> and my dad is a business entrepreneur he has his own company but it's very business sided but i didn't actually realize that your dad was an entrepreneur so entrepreneurship is kind of in your family yeah i guess yeah. but um if you actually knew my father and the way he coddled me like i'm the youngest <laughs> child so like yeah. me venturing off and trying to do my own thing was actually like a shock to them because you know they really babied me and I feel like their expectations were just maybe for me to like maybe get a job get married and like live the stay-at-home wife wife life life exactly and that's just so not me I mean you know me Liza. yeah so not it's me it's not you and so yeah I had zero connections in the industry I didn't really even know that many people Lanz was one of the first people I met in Dubai oh my God, I don't even so think you true. did you know that I didn't know that was one of the first I people had just you met moved back yeah and Tamar yeah our mutual friend Tamar uh, they went to school together in DC and we went to high school together in Abu Dhabi. So he linked us and she I didn't realize that. People. I didn't know that. I didn't know that wow. I really Dubai. shaped your foundational years right? in Dubai. So, <laughs> I was honestly, I was just like, let me just get any bullshit job and like meet people. And I thought it was going to be so sex in the city where I was going to like <laughs> be BFFs with like some editor in chief. And she was going to like yeah, yeah. invite me to all these things. And I was going to meet people and everyone in Dubai was going to be so Love fun and Hollywood whatever. Glam- so it. was not true yeah. okay my first job was at this modeling agency it was an internship at bareface yeah and it was so not glamorous i was basically um working as a booker so an agent so i would represent Whoa. models and then for brands for brands okay. shoots. it didn't even have to be like fashion shoots it would just be like I don't even know, like those corporate or like Damak properties or yeah. like Emirates Airlines shoots that you see. And yeah, it was so boring, so corporate, amazing people in the company. But yeah, just not me, not my vibe. And then I switched over to Grazia. Uh, really, really, really enjoyed fashion publication. Actually really enjoyed that and met a lot of people. And I'm sure you worked on your writing too, right? Yeah, and I mean, writing already was one of my strong suits, but yeah. I met a lot of people working at Grazia. That was kind of like a little glimpse into the Sex and the City reality, but like not actually that true. 
but I actually really enjoyed working for the editor-in-chief. I enjoyed meeting people. I enjoyed... That kind of opened you. Because I remember also when you were working there, mm-hmm. that opened a lot of doors for it you. It opened a lot of doors. I met so many people. I met a lot of... Networked your ass Influencers, off. let's say. Yeah. I met a lot of creatives, stylists, photographers, uh, digital creators, content creators. Um, I learned more about like the culture, the industry, how things work, how shoots get done. So yeah, that was like a really, really good milestone uh to put my foot in the door and if anyone ever has like any they ask me like ever a young entrepreneur that wants to be in fashion like how do I get my foot in the door in the fashion I always suggest interning at magazines I think that's the best way as well the best thing to do and then from there I switched to a startup e-commerce company that was focused all about like sustainable fashion and they would um basically buy a lot of sustainable emerging brands and from there I kind of piqued my interest more about learning more about sustainability so it was actually Grazia who drove your interest in no it was after Grazia I switched to an e-commerce okay yeah uh and it's a startup and uh Dubai based and yeah it was primarily focused on sustainability so even their packaging everything was reusable um, sustainable beauty, sustainable fashion. Had, had you before kind of been interested in the whole sustainability industry or you kind of didn't really think about it until you joined the startup? I was never, I was always interested heavily in thrift culture. Okay. Um, but I never really put the link that thrift culture, obviously pre-loved and thrift culture go hand in hand. Um, and I knew that that was a sustainable mode of, like shopping and yeah. fashion but I never really linked that it could be used for a modern day business plan like I just thought thrifting was thrifting and that's what it is and like everyone knows it and you can't really do much with it yeah and then from working at that e-commerce I was really you know being more immersed in like different realms of sustainability and not just different realms like discussing like what more we can do with using that buzzword that's so hip and trendy it right is, now and yeah. how to make a difference with it. So um, yeah. I wanted to ask, so for people who don't haven't heard of Sound on Streetwear, yeah. so what does your business aim to do? Okay, so basically here's the... Because I know I went on your Instagram and it was like pre-loved here's clothing. So like how does, because I want to understand, uh, and, and of course I want to understand also like the process mm-hmm. of when you like get a vintage piece. So first I guess explain what sound, sound on Streetwear aims to do and then uh-huh. what the journey kind of looks like when you get okay. one of those pieces. So yeah, Sound On is my label and it's based in Dubai. It's <laughs> so, By the way, so like casual, it's my label. <laughs> like you're it's a rapper. My brand. Yeah. Yeah. It's my brand. It's my brand. It's called Sound On. <laughs> it's based here, yeah, regionally and basically we're deeply rooted in the upcycling movement. So mm-hmm. basically what I do is I source vintage, pre-loved or dead stock materials and also now recently recycled fabrics awesome um and deconstruct them and reconstruct them into new designs so i try to follow a zero waste policy um and basically wean out the whole production process when making clothes and take clothes that are already existing in the market which is where vintage pre-loved and dead stock come into play and um just basically take that instead of contributing further waste into production take something that's already existing already piling up in like landfills or just like being burnt if there's excess of it Mm -hmm. and trying to turn it into something new something fresh 
and what I feel like has been a bit more of like my style with it is sourcing um, name brand streetwears. So like vintage Nike, Puma, Adidas uh, pieces, you know, the name brands that we all know and love yeah. um, and resonate with. And everyone has like a personal connection to these types of brands and then deconstructing and reconstructing it into new things. And I feel like it just creates like a really unique piece that is one of a kind and as a whole just kind of increases the like wow factor in it you know you just kind of want that one of one piece that no one else can get and it has the old and new so it has the whole let's say it was a nike or adidas piece it has that whole nostalgic brand name that you know and love but then also the new piece of it being a sound on uh label so you're getting old and new and yeah, it's just like a whole new So concept. when you receive a piece, mm-hmm. first of all, are you like outsourcing them or I guess finding these vintage clothing like online or mm-hmm. like from people who like kind of have like... I source my vintage from... Okay, I grew up thrifting at this area in Toronto. If people are familiar with Toronto, the area is called Kensington Market. And okay. it's basically just thrift stores on thrift stores on wow. thrift stores. Okay. So yeah, I sourced my vintage from there and I contacted a few thrift stores that I like grew up shopping at and I was basically wow. like this it's like is nostalgia, what, a sense of nostalgia right? for you. I was like, this is what I do, like this is what I'm trying to do. It was yeah. just a whole pitch. Like would you be willing to, you know, send over some vintage pieces for a wholesale price instead of retail price? So because I'm buying it in bulk. Yeah. Um and yeah, a few places got back to me and like Actually, a really good thing was a few of my favorite places like that. I didn't really expect them to get back to me because they have such a good clientele. I guess maybe because of COVID, things yeah. slowed down a bit. Yeah. And this was also a good opportunity for them to like, you know, keep business running. But yeah, I source vintage pieces from there. For dead stock pieces, I reach out to factories, warehouses, regionally and internationally. So like even Turkey, for so example. So I guess I just, I don't realize that there is a lot of dead stock. There's so much I dead guess stock. I just didn't realize it until and I really heard of like sound, when sound I, on. When I say dead stock, a lot of people also just, in case you don't know what the word dead stock means, it's basically like previous collection of clothing labels mm-hmm. that uh, can't be sold in store retail stores anymore or it's leftover fabric from like, from like mani- what's being used. From manufacturing. Okay, let's say cool. I'm creating a whole denim label and I've sourced this denim and the denim fabric has been created specifically for this brand. And then, okay, they made their pieces. They made their units. Let's say 200 units or something. They have all this leftover fabric that belongs to the label but can't be used for anything else because halas like they've yeah. reached their units that's just leftover dead stock that so it's like instead of throwing it away they're gonna give it to someone they're like giving you. it to someone and i mean i'll pay for it i'll take it but still it's already existing most of the time when i want to create like not me in particular when brands want to create a collection they create a fabric so that print that you see on a cotton shirt or whatever maybe not like screen printing like you know those those Hawaiian shirts or whatever, yeah, where it's, yeah. the print itself is on the, the fabric. Um, that's specifically custom made. Okay. So that is made for the brand. And then let's say there's excess of it. That's just laying around. That's just dead stock. That's crazy to me. So, okay. So you, you go out, you find either dead stock or these vintage brands mm-hmm. from the, those places in Toronto, Kensington market, which I love the name. Mm-hmm. So what's the process? So like, say you get a piece mm-hmm. and it's, a top or uh, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Do you look at it and you're like, 
Like, what is the process? How do you think of it? Are you like, okay, I want to make this into a skirt today. Or like, I decided today I decided to make it into a dress. Like okay. what kind of is like so your creative? I have two, pro- two processes, I'd okay. say. Yeah. When I receive like a very unique vintage piece, like let's say that vintage Nike or Adidas or Puma or whatever brand name it may be. And like the piece itself is just so beautiful and unique that you don't want to like ruin it but you kind of want to like elevate it in a certain way. I just like look at it. I take a photo of it and then I go onto my iPad, get on Procreate and just start like cutting it up into different pieces um, and, you know, playing around with designs and seeing what could look best. Mm. Um, the best thing, obviously, when I'm sourcing vintage is to get them in large or extra large because you have more fabric. So you more time to exactly. play or t- room to play. And it's better for me to play around on Procreate and just like see it before I cut the fabric up because once that vintage piece is cut up, there's no take backs and it's a one of one vintage piece. Like you can't get that piece again. That's it. So like if you're cutting it, you're committed done oh my god do you like have anxiety I before you so cut? much like anxiety. i would no, literally be like if i cut this it's over like it's if i over. mess this up and I... if i make a mistake oh my god sometimes i've made massive mistakes where like i was just using uh, my scissors like and I, I get like cut friendly like and you know I what i mean i didn't realize like, that, 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 that like that. A, the piece of fabric underneath was attached to the piece that i was cutting and i would fully cut like the whole logo oh my god into half and i'm like oh okay that's completely ruined because yeah. the whole point was for the logo to show yeah it's happened many times i've had many internal breakdowns where i've just gotten so pissed off at myself but have you like did you literally have to teach yourself how to sew yeah i did i was not professionally taught how to sew i just took did your sew- mom teach you no, no my like mom YouTube? my mom was pissed off she was like <laughs> she's like why did i send you to four years of university to what become a tailor she was, obviously she oh didn't understand what upcycling was i was like mom it's i'm gonna i'm like i'm gonna take existing clothes you don't understand i'm gonna take existing clothes deconstruct it and reconstruct it and it was like the but i'm yeah, yeah, she yeah. was like what the fuck She's like, what do you mean? Like, she's what does like, that even mean? She's like, your dad paid for four years of your education <laughs> my parents for this. You know when they do it, the podcast, like, they're like, my my dad's like, so I paid four years of education for you to go talk at a mic? Yeah. Like, and Baba, it takes so much more than that. We're such a sarcastic family, too, that, like, they would crack jokes and be like, oh, she's the tailor in the house. Like, if there's a oh rip on a shirt God, or something, yeah. they'd be like, send it to Lean. She's the tailor. And I'm like, you don't get it. <laughs> you don't get what I'm trying to do. It has nothing to do with that, yeah. But, yeah, no. I got a lot. I taught myself. I took some classes in the beginning just to learn how to like use the machine. The machine itself was so fucking intimidating. I think I I, I mean all these buttons and I don't know what they do. I'm like, what the hell is this? But then and like learning how to like put the thread in and whatever just it seems so intimidating. But then once you actually learn how to do it, you yeah, you you figure it out. Muscle memory at this point. But yeah. So I took some lessons in the beginning, but then as soon as I got the gist of how to use the machine, I kind of just cut that loose and did more trial and error and saw what worked, saw what didn't work. And yeah, basically that's the situation. Do you sometimes feel like you wish, like, do you ever have moments where you're like, shit, like I kind of wish I was still in the corporate world or are you like, uh, I, this is what I like found my passion. And like, cause for me yeah. personally, like I need structure, like b- doing the podcast, of course I'm holding myself accountable, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I'm reaching out to guests and yes, I'm reaching out and making the outlines and whatever. But at the end of the day, a podcast episode goes out every Wednesday because I'm holding myself accountable, making sure I'm editing, producing the content. Mm -hmm. So for you, it's more like you have to 
get the vintage pieces. You have to work on them. Yep. And you have to put them on your website and mm-hmm. on social media and promote. Mm-hmm. So it, it re- requires for you to have accountability. Yes. Do you sometimes wish like, shit, I kind of wish I was just like in a corporate job, just like doing my This is such thing. a tricky question. It's honestly. a tricky question. It, it is. is. Because, because I've had moments where... <clears throat> the issue with freelancing is, and I feel like this happens to everyone, where some months it's like a dry spell and just everyone forgets about you and no, so you true, have no way. projects, so no one's true. reaching out to you. It's like everyone forgot about you or your label or whatever. And then one month there's like five or six people reaching out at the same time and you're like, why could this never ever just be spaced out? Like, why is it always an all in or all out? Like, so do you consider yourself a freelancer? I do. Really? Because I yeah. look at you as like an entrepreneur with a, like a woman-owned business, small so business. So I do. I have my own label, but then also I get hired for freelance jobs. Like I've now I'm doing merch for three different uh, companies. And soon, and soon tell me everything with land. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing merch for three different companies. That's incredible. They're not fashion companies. Uh, one's an app, one's a fitness company. And, and this is like is using their logo and like incorporating no, it? No, not even use it. Like hiring me freelance to do design. Wow. Um, okay. But obviously they want to, they want, you know, sustainability incorporated into it or some just want my design expertise, let's say. But yeah, so I do get hired for freelance jobs, but also I do have my own thing going in parallel exactly so do you sometimes feel like you have an identity crisis of being like a business owner slash freelancer yes it's very confusing i feel like i would I have also, an identity crisis i also too. battle like whether i should maintain my own personal social accounts as it being the main thing for the label or the label being the main thing and like putting my personal thing on the back burner and some days sound on gets more traction and more recognition and then some days my own personal work gets more approached and reached Mm, out to mm. and whatever. So it's like I'm battling both freelancing and owning my own business. But I mean, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. But I definitely enjoy the comfort of knowing that every month on this day, you're getting paid and you can budget your life according to that. The hustle of not knowing when you're getting paid and sometimes when you get freelance jobs especially here in the region you don't get paid for like nine months what like you do the job you do the job great you do the job on time but you don't get paid for like why? nine months. and i learned this working at bareface actually but wait why is it at a contract is it it's, i actually don't know how freelancing works here so basically essentially let's say you get hired through a company or through an agency or whatever they have to go through their whole finance team right to get you paid so yeah. let's say you set your rate to five thousand for this project or for this post maybe even like a blogger with their insta yeah. post or whatever um you do it, you do it on time or whatever. And then you just kind of have to sit and wait for finances to like to either send it. If, if you got booked through an agency, then yeah. first they have to pay the agency and then the agency pays the talent. Um, meaning the agency has to wait to get paid. Or if you're getting booked just directly through you, it's just up to finance team. When they're going to send some it. companies take three months, some companies wow. take up to nine months. Some p- companies just forget about it. And you just have to be that annoying person being like, hey, hey um, the remember that project we did nine months ago? Like, I still haven't gotten paid. And it's like the most minimum payment, like 2000 at home. It's like nothing. Nothing. It's nothing. You know, like they just you just have to nag. You have to be that you have to be like your own manager and agent and talent. And it 
sucks. So that's what the accountability, I think, that yep. kind of like falls into this. It's like yep. you really have to keep yourself mm-hmm. accountable. So do you think your self-love journey in parallel has given you the confidence I guess to go off and start your own thing because I think when someone is like I'm an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. I've I've and a lot of people actually don't think about this but I see a huge correlation between the two and maybe you disagree or agree with me I feel like there's a huge correlation between like having your own confidence and, and being like I I have the smarts and I have the intelligence and I have the passion and drive to go off, quit my corporate job and be an entrepreneur. Do you see yourself when you reflect back and are like, I see my self-love journey has progressed with my entrepreneurial journey? Yes, I can't even stress this enough. Like 100% yes. And I've also been just way more happier when I just kind of let go of my corporate jobs and really started doing my own thing i mean i've had this concept for a while but like weren't able to like i just didn't have the like self-confidence or belief in myself enough with the concept to like follow through and start posting about it and being consistent about it until like i guess like maybe a year and a half ago and two years ago oh wow was when i was kind of like fuck it like okay, if people laugh, whatever, if my things suck, they suck, whatever, at least I'm doing it and I like it. I started posting about it. I started wearing it out more in public and was getting more positive feedback. I'm sure sure people don't like what I'm doing as well. I mean, it's impossible to please everyone, but like from what I was receiving, I was receiving a lot of positive reinforcement, a lot of love and just it felt good and then it fueled me more. It made me be more convinced in myself. So you always have that annoying voice in your head that's you like, do. oh, you know, you're always going to think that what you're doing is amazing but maybe actually sucks. So It's I like that self-doubt kind of. Huge self-doubt. Yeah. So you need that push. You need those positive reinforcement. It's all like, I don't know, psychology. Like yeah. you need it. It plays with your head. So you need it to also like do better and motivate you to like try things that you would have never tried because I mean I'm sure we've all taken up projects where it's like way above our level of expertise but you still do it and suck it up and like fake it till you make it and then it actually happens and you did it and you're like holy shit how did I just get that done I'm so proud of myself I never tried it before I've taken up so many projects or done so many designs where I was like yeah for sure like I've told clients like yeah for sure I can do that never done it before did it on the spot and it actually worked out and they were so happy, so impressed. And so that grew. My whole confidence in myself grew. Of course. And I just feel like, I don't know, I feel like more people have also noticed that about me. Like they told me. like I've noticed that about you. That's why I'm asking the question. More mature. You're yeah. more confident. You're happier. Um, my parents even noticed it about myself. Uh, before, Those were the two judges they were, of character. They were the biggest. <laughs> oh my God, they're such judgy pants also. They're actually judgy pants. They were my biggest haters when I was telling them I wanted to do this and now they're my biggest cheerleaders. Aww. I mean, prove your ass is wrong, but yeah. But no. I feel like our parents are always our hardest critics, they're such, right? They're because such they want the best critic. for us. They don't want us to see us fail. So of they don't course. believe in us, but like they're always going to think the safe option. They're not yeah. going to, th- you know, like go risk it. Because they're scared too. Absolutely. You know? Like, I mean, I honestly feel like whoever like our parents are going to be way more scared for whatever we choose to do or venture off into our life even more than we are yeah 100 percent babies but yeah yeah. so i definitely hundred thousand percent feel way more confident once i started just putting out my own work and realized f it you know like it's my thing if no one likes it then 
whatever. That comes with self-love and self-confidence, yep. I really think. I um, honestly think so. Do you think, so let's talk about sustainability for a second because I think a lot of times now, like there are a lot of brands here specifically that sustainability is driving the fashion industry and there's mm-hmm. a lot more shed on a spotlight, shed on a spotlight. There's a lot more spotlight in that sustainability is the way forward and yep. cli- battling climate change and plastic mm-hmm. and recycling. So how do you see sustainability being integrated in fashion like in the last two to three years okay so sustainability right now is such a marketable it's like a key it's a buzzword it's it's a buzzword okay and most people don't even know what it means most people most brands just throw it around but then don't actually do anything like I was watching a Hassan Minaj episode and it was talking about fast fashion and how like H&M went and did like a whole sustainability collection And I think, like, the pocket was the only, like, recyclable part about it. And then everything else was just normal. Like, But they can use the word sustainably produced because that one thing is in it, you know? So it is a huge marketing tool, and brands are just throwing it around. And I think, obviously, we're not idiots. We've become really smart consumers now because of fast information, social media, just being in a digital era. We're skeptical of everything now. We're getting a lot more false information than true information. So I feel like any credibility has been lost. Exactly. So I feel like a lot of consumers now when they even read the word sustainability, I mean, we're not just as sold. But I think that there is some progress being made because we are curious, because we're skeptical, we're researching a bit more, we're watching more documentaries, just getting a bit more educated podcasts, workshops. I've participated in a few as well. And I don't like preach about how amazing my brand is. I just Mm -hmm. preach about why what I'm doing actually works and is sustainable because I follow a zero waste policy that is sustainable. But what is progressing in fashion i i have a few ideas i mean i think that we are investing more in timeless pieces yeah we are shopping less um we are and we have nowhere to go right exactly (laughs) right we're stuck at home but yeah we're investing in timeless pieces we're shopping less um we are asking a bit more questions about where it is sourced from consumer has become smarter yes exactly and i mean even when i do my pop-ups people grill me with questions really yeah 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 like it's not just like i go oh this is made from vintage pre-loved pieces like people ask like where'd you get the vintage pieces from like they want to make sure that i'm actually honestly i appreciate that i appreciate that too because if i'm gonna charge something for a certain thing and claim that it's something then it better be that thing that they're buying um But yeah, I honestly think that people are being more interested in circular fashion. So reusable um, items, not just in fashion, you know, like the whole mason jar thing, uh, furniture, old furniture pieces, upcycling them into new, I don't know, bags, I don't know, upcycling them into, you know, you use the wood, you turn it into something new. That's all circular fashion. Uh, There's just more interest in keeping things in in the loop instead of throwing it away, uh, thrifting is becoming really popular. Pre-loved companies are starting to open up more in the UAE. So there is Thrift for Good. There is um, 
couple other what was there's one in barsha i can't remember the name but yeah i'm just like looking on instagram and there's so many wow i didn't even know this to be honest i had no idea where yeah they just go and because in the states it's a huge it's thing a huge i mean thing. like i, I mean, used to go to the states value village yeah yeah i used uh, to go to all these places and like they would salvation army salvation army yeah yep. and i would literally go and like you get it's amazing a norm, stuff though. it's a norm it's the norm yeah. doesn't matter what yeah. social class you're coming from everyone shops there and you get the most amazing pieces but here if people are getting more educated about it that's key once you learn what it actually is all about and the solutions for it yeah then you realize that you can go and have other alternatives so yeah there's so many pre-loved companies opening up here a lot of regional thrift brand not brands like thrift shops yeah on instagram that have been reached out um to like source pieces from them um on that subject actually of instagram how do you think the power of social media has shaped your brand and helped you promote your brand because I think when I look at a lot of young brands, like even like the giving movement has mm-hmm. invested so much in mm-hmm. their social media marketing and mm-hmm. evidently it's paid off. It works, off. yeah. It is paid Everyone off. knows so about it. Everyone knows about it because they invested so yeah. much. So, I mean, I work in social media, so I always see the value in social media marketing, but I yeah. want to see as someone like you who didn't have that big of a, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you've grown a lot in your personal yeah. account of yeah. following. So as someone who kind of, opened i guess sound on streetwear yeah. really on instagram and promoting yeah. it from your friends and stuff yeah how have you seen the value of social media in your brand social media is so important i mean just before we started this podcast lands was <laughs> <laughs> i was doing all my client work she right now and i'm like posting on like twitter and facebook and, and i'm like girl i'm sorry give me five minutes she was talking work. about like hashtags that her clients were asking her to use or whatever i mean i don't think that ha- use of hashtags our term for social media social media is changing so much right now now there's tiktok which you're a huge fan of and there's just so i, I mean i see the power in tiktok and i even hundred percent more than more Instagram. than anything else by the way exactly. right now tiktok is the future it really is, it really is. so i'm not paid if, by tiktok by the if way if you're a hater <laughs> you just need to get over it and hop on that app but yeah so it's so important honestly because most of the opportunities the collabs the people that have reached out to me the creatives that i've met the people that have linked me towards other opportunities for work have happened all through social media um a lot of people who have come to my pop-ups, who have um, reached out to me for, I don't know, projects, school projects or whatever, have all found me through social media, maybe not through... And you just have to get a bit And more. clients. Clients, yeah. I mean, Nike I mean, and Adidas Even I, like, DM'd you, by the way. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I want this jacket. It was like a cowboy's jacket, which, by the way, I wear exactly. all the time. Every morning I'm wearing it. But it's like, I literally saw it and you posted it and you were like, new piece. I'm like, mine, mine now. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, the more, you have to be consistent. So you have to, like, obviously let your viewers know that, like, this is a business that you're trying to do or, like, this is a service that you're offering. Build so credibility. I'm being super consistent with my upcycled creations and trying to, go bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger with new things that I design. And as a result, when people see that like you can deliver instead of just, you know, once in a blue moon posting this upcycled piece and like kind of taking it as a hobby. Whereas if you're doing it more in like a professional way where like, you know, every Wednesday you put up a podcast or whatever, when you're reliable in that sense and you put it out on social media for everyone to see, you're kind of just making it more, you're making yourself more credible how do you think though people because i think people are so over consumed on social media these Mm -hmm. days like even i i mean i can probably speak for both of us whenever we look through instagram stories we kind of like that like we just click yep how do you keep 
your view is engaged. I think you have a very unique business model and I think you have something very I think unique that's that why. So yeah, I would say that's kind of your selling point, right? My selling point is obviously the concept now. Obviously a lot of people around the world do what I do, but not in this region. So I think that that's super unique in that sense because for someone in the region doing this whole upcycling, reconstructing, deconstructing, it's really unique. It's cool. Um, I'm teaching people different realms of sustainability, but also I'm being consistent, which is what I was just talking about. So like, you know, that most of the time when I'm going to post an Instagram post, it's not going to be, you know, maybe lean on vacation or lean out on a dinner with her friends or whatever, or lean partying. Oh, and then also here's my upcycled creation. I've really just dedicated that platform for my upcycled pieces talking about sustainability and then yeah I guess you see more of my personal life on my stories but I've just really let my page be a portfolio for work and only and I think work. it's that's what's working and yeah. kind of like really putting your brand out there just I, let it be a bit more professional I mean I even changed my instant name remember when I used did. to be drank and lean you did you actually made it more professional yeah, kind of on brand to. no one told me but I had to but you like, knew because that knew, was your brand to. I mean could you yeah. imagine I remember um drank and lean when I what had a time done, to be alive when I had done the Nike collab yeah on those face masks they came with a pouch right yeah and it says designed and upcycled by lean and a friend of mine came to the event and picked up the thing and started dying of laughter so I was like what's so funny and he was like could you imagine if you didn't change your name and it said designed and upcycled by drank and lean and all these random yeah, people yeah. who like, don't who? know me what? and don't know like the whole joke the inside joke of the name or whatever are just picking it up and looking at it being like what the hell is yeah, this yeah like name? who the hell made this exactly so, no but the yeah. right I kind of just want to end off and like what would be your piece of advice that you would give entrepreneurs or potential entrepreneurs have a business idea, have a passion in life and, but are scared to actually make the step to do it like you have. What would your advice be to them? Okay. I'd say do a lot of research. Okay. First, because I don't know if you're going into something blindly and you don't actually know the competition or haven't done market research, or maybe you think it's a unique concept, but there's like 10 other brands that are doing it and doing it well. Um, in the region then you're not so unique so start off with doing a lot of research and educating yourself maybe take courses just learn and soak it up and the power of learning is so powerful just take in all that data and research and just grow and learn further and then from there just say fuck it and I mean if you realize that it's actually a business plan that works and no one's doing it or they're doing it but you could do such a better job then just go for it Cause yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier. Like I held myself back a lot by just not going for it and posting. And I didn't want to be the girl that was like trying to make her platform into more of a business thing. And I was just like, fuck it. I want to do this for myself and yeah, just do it. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. And network. <laughs> and network. I think we I think, both yes. know how important networking, networking is. Networking is so to, important. You need to be shamelessly networking. Even if you're an introvert and you're not extroverted like we are, like yeah. you have to shamelessly you put if you believe in your brand, you believe in Before it. Before I was getting put on the list to attend events, I was the plus one for yeah. those events. And I was shamelessly going around networking because that's what you need to do and it works okay it actually works it's the not power just, of networking you need to and once people see that your personality or i guess for lands and for myself our selling point is our p- personality but like yeah. maybe for if you're more introverted and quieter shy then maybe just your work i know a lot of crazy talented 
creatives that are so shy and then when i just open up their portfolio or their instagram uh i'm like whoa yeah damn but i mean you need that intro you need to see you need to be introduced into that person's platform in order to be on someone's mind in case i mean there's been multiple occasions where a friend of mine had been like oh my god like i had just spoke to you a week ago about like sustainability or whatever and then a couple days later someone was like do you know a sustainable activist girl and right off the bat because i had just spoken to you about it you came top up, of mind top of mind when i'm sure there's like five or six other people in the region that are doing it doing the same thing maybe not the same thing that i'm doing but still in sustainability yeah but you know because i kind of put myself out there and branded was, yourself yep yeah and just was there you know at the right time to like network and remind them of lean then it works lean where can people find sound on street where can you do your plug yeah so you plug can, it in girl instagram handle is at sound on streetwear we also have a website so it's www.soundonstreetwear.com and my personal instagram is at lean.niz Lean, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This Thanks. was super insightful and incredible to hear your story. I mean, I've heard yeah. it already, but to hear it in like this no, type Lance of conversation. No, Lance doesn't pay attention to that. <laughs> yeah, I just don't. I didn't even know anything about she sustainability. Know anything. Yeah, I didn't know. She just went on the website <laughs> and was like, "Shit, I don't know." By the way, guys, guys, I've known Lance for like almost four years. Yes. Just before we started recording, she asked, "How do I pronounce your last name?" <laughs> this bitch. <laughs> This bitch. You don't even feel bad because every single person that's come on this podcast, I've all asked, how do I pronounce your last name? I want to fuck it up. Yo, she was like, how do I say your last name? I was like, Lance. I'm terrible, guys. And I'm terrible. That's the tea. I'm pretty dyslexic. Okay, Lean, I love you. Thank you so much for coming on today, guys. As always, subscribe on every podcast platform. Follow me on Instagram at tellmeeverything underscore with Lance and on my personal at Lance underscore T-H-O. Guys, have a great week ahead. Uh, thanks for listening and tune in next week with another guest on Tell Me Everything with Lance. Bye, guys. Bye.